originally the two lead roles or the two roles were supposed to be Russell Crowe and Adam Sandler as the taxi driver. So Adam Sandler. Sandler. Adam no. Sandler. I am so over Adam Sandler, man. All his movies are the same. Bye. Damn. Did I see him in recently and he was actually half decent on it, eh? No, you and didn't. Get... It was someone else. Oh, was that? All right. Yeah, he sucks. He sucks. I horses. like the wedding singer. Oh, yeah, yeah it sucks. It was well. a, no, was a pretty good role. I, I did like that one. Shut up, Ian. Because Ian is Ian is the wedding singer most most weekends. <laughs> that's why. That's why it sucks. Close to the close to the bone, man. Kia ora listeners, and welcome to another episode of Music, Movies and Madness. We've got a special episode for you all, and another first for the podcast. It's yeah. Lis- yeah, it's listener's choice, where you, our esteemed listeners of this very fine podcast, have given us the challenge to review one of their music and movie selections. And so, big thank you to everyone who's written in to us with um, your selections, um, and Martin, our esteemed co-host, um, he won't be joining the usual crew of David, Ian and myself tonight because he's returning from London after hanging out with family and friends and maybe it's just too much of this whole funeral business. He's just decided to skip town. And um, so what we've done is we've reached out to one of our regular listeners and friend of the show to join us. So big welcome to the show, Mr. Glenn Chadwick. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's a joy to be on the show. Yeah, awesome. Now, Glenn, and, and, can, can I just say, Glenn Chadwick, I, I suspect you probably know um, know more about music uh, than all three of us combined. So take it easy on us. Be gentle. <laughs> be patient. <laughs> we'll try and keep up with you, buddy. Especially with me. I'm, I'm, I'm still in it. I'm still an idiot. Oh, I always, you've, you've, always, you've always been a bit slow, but we, 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 we. thanks. Thank Dave. you. Th- thank you, Vanessa. Um, okay. And, um, and, and nice warm welcome to Ian and David as well. Nice to see you, gentlemen. G'day, mate. Kia ora, Glenn. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you very much. All right, Glenn. Glenn Chadwick, you're on the spot here. Uh, I, I think we'll just call me GT for the night, eh? And call you Glenn. Um, you, Glenn, you're a long-time listener, but a first-time caller. How are you finding our show so far? It's <laughs> so Jeez. lame. It's so Jeez. lame. Lots of fun. Lots Look, of fun. This is um, not talk back on a Saturday night with George Bellani. <laughs> Look, better. I, I, it's Jesus. better. Yeah, damn straight. Vanessa's right. It is better. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought it's not often you get the chance to put in a long time listener, first time caller. So how are you finding it? How are you finding our show? Lots of fun. Lots of fun. I mean, the years and the memories as well. Uh, I found myself chuckling a number of times at some of the memories that albums and movies um, bring up. Um, just a little note for the listeners. Uh, I grew up in the same town as these guys. And, uh, of course, a lot of their experience well, Glenn, is... Glenn, you, you grew up. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of their experiences are kind of shared with my experiences as well. And, um, um, yeah, so there's a lot of times when I've been nodding to myself and going, yeah, that, 
that's pretty much how it was. Yeah. We do have shared experiences, don't we, Glenn? I remember, <laughs> I remember going around to your house as a twelve-year-old listening to forty-seven hundred different outtakes of Strawberry Fields Forever on your cassette player. <laughs> do you remember that? That was my crazy, mad. Oh my goodness! I've just discovered bootlegs phase, oh, and yes. of course, everything was <laughs> everything was astoundingly interesting at the time. I, I think my you, I think is, you may have even dug up an SRV bootleg for me at one point. <laughs> my question was: This was all before the internet, like way before the internet. How the hell did you find these things? Tape trading. Um, a lot of it was tape trading, and. How did you find the people? Did you put it like classified in the paper or? Just it was who you know. A lot of it was who you know. I remember a very early tape trade I did was with a guy from college called Barnaby. I don't Barnaby know if you Sharp. remember Barnaby, Barnaby Sharp. Sharp. Oh, Barnaby. Totally. Yeah, shout out Barnaby to Barnaby Sharp. Sharp. And he got me my first Barnaby. listen of Sonic Youth, Pixies yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mudhoney. Yes, he was into the Pixies, I remember. Oh, that's so, a fine um, choice. I didn't realize yeah. he was doing dodgy deals behind the bike shed with you. <laughs> I didn't know that you knew Barnaby, but yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think any of us really knew him except for you. When you when you dig music, it can bring together the strangest mm, of bedfellows. Can indeed. So, yeah. You and as David was saying at the top of the show, your pop culture knowledge goes way, way back. What was some of your earliest sort of music and movie memories? How did you get into it? And obviously, in some ways, be ahead of the curve at times. Not sure about now, but yeah, I, I can't say I can't say so much for movies because, uh, as mentioned before, growing up in a small town, we didn't have a movie theater. No, video we nights were were the big thing, and a video mm. would be months, if not years, after it was released in the theaters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for music, um, the Stone Roses were the first big band of it that all music is a thing for me mm. um, to be interested in. And from there, it was just watching or recording late night, Sunday night music shows like uh, Radio with Pictures and that, watching it during the week and then going to school and telling you all, you know, uh, oh, I saw a song by Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing what? Yeah, no, we were dicks. <laughs> we, we should have freaking listened better. And we did eventually. We did catch up, but it was a little bit later than what we should have. Yeah, man. Yeah. Late night, those, those Sunday night music shows, I tell you, we were just a godsend because you'd just tape it off TV1 or TV3 or whatever it was, and you'd have a bouquet of interesting sounds to check out. That seems like a – that seems like a – God, so long ago – you know, just now you get everything anytime, anywhere. When it just isn't it amazing uh -huh. how it's far it's mm. come? And we're only like in our eighties, so it's not that far, you know, <laughs> not that long ago. The the trouble is who who curates it? You know, you'd have yeah. like a John Peel or a Karen mm -hmm. Hay or someone that would bring it all together into a sixty minute or a ninety minute or whatever mm -hmm. long show and you listen to that show and you know the host and you trust them. You trust that hope. And, yeah, and some, and, and some things haven't really changed there. And nowadays you find, like, excellent podcasts that you relate totally. to with excellent hosts. Or likewise, you may find shows on RNZ or newspapers that are, well, not newspapers, but things like The Guardian who have got a really good music um, 
team. Um, and yeah, it's, mm. I think there's still elements that are still the same, eh? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we can curate with the best of them, eh? What does that mean? I don't, yeah, I don't I, quite I, know either. Someone that just someone that just brings everything together into a show, and you might have uh, you know, you might yeah, have true, world true. music next to noise rock, next to rap, next to but you'd know it would all be quality because the person putting it together knows their stuff, you know. SRV, Kate Bush, Tori Amos, all on the one side. <laughs> you got it, dude. With a bit of Beatles at the end. <laughs> you had to get you had to get it in. You I know. Just, every and damn as, show. As, as, as you may, may have picked up through the show, Glenn, um, David has really um, fallen quite hard for the boys for, from Liverpool and has actually become a bit of a, our go-to guy for everything Beatles-related. Which is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. He has the word Beatles tattooed on his chest. Yeah, I think so. Beatles forever, isn't it? <laughs> Beatles forever. <laughs> in the shape in the shape of the heart uh, drum from Sergeant Pepper's Hearts Club then. Oh, here's the madness coming through. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry, sorry, David. Stop it. Stop it. All right. We love you. We love you, man. Let's get underway. Glenn, firstly, I'm interested in from you about annual thoughts also Ian and David what do you find exciting about our listeners choice challenge this this evening we've got the interesting thing is that it it's an opportunity to take you outside of something that you would choose and to ex- it challenge you to listen to watch something that you wouldn't normally show to that, that's definitely true in my case <laughs> brilliant well yeah shall we um Shall we begin our first round? Um, what we'll do, like other specials, is we'll rotate through the selections that we've been given and um, we'll go to each of us in turn. And you can choose either an album or a movie, whatever you wish, and then talk about that and we'll pass the baton on to somebody else. Sound all good? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Beautiful. Right. Can't wait. Can't let's wait. Start with, let's start with last week's host, Mr. David Chan. Yo! Right. Thank you. I think I'll start with the movie. So this was um, the year 2014. It was recommended by Jessica Curry, who's uh, one of our listeners. And the movie from that year is called Whiplash. Any of you guys seen this? No. Oh yeah. It's no. about a, It's a. It's about a drummer. Oh. You'll you'll know if you've seen it. Like you will <laughs> never forget this movie, right, Ian? Wow, that good. I'm so jealous you got this one, mate. I wanted it so bad. Tell yeah. me more. What's it? What's it about? Uh, Glenn Chadwick, have you seen this? No, no, not at all. Ah, okay. You've got to see it, mate. This this is one of those films that uh, absolutely is is a hard watch. As you're watching it, it's like you want to turn away, but then you, it, it the acting is so good, the storytelling is so good um, that you're just compelled to watch it. But it is really hard. To watch did you find that ian no i enjoyed it yeah i enjoyed it too but some of the no same... no I felt, I felt it was easy to watch no really? I, I dug it, is it is yeah it, i dug it, it. A, is it a comedy duck comedy it's drama a, it's a psychological drama so the storyline no. or the, the plot goes are we allowed spoilers here well just a little bit yeah yeah go on not not too much because i haven't seen it glenn hasn't okay. seen it okay so so it follows... if it sucked so bad then you could just the shot and, and tell everybody. But if you like it and you want to recommend it, don't don't ruin it. 
yeah, I definitely recommend it. So this is this follows a um, a young guy entering, I think, what is university music school at a prestigious um, conservatory, as they call them, for um, jazz. Uh, in this case, jazz musicians. Um, he's a jazz drummer, and he's uh, he's obviously very talented. He gets into the he gets accepted, and he gets um, he makes sort of a studio band um, led by the conductor who is um, uh, pretty much a, um, oh, what would you call it, a sycophantic bully that uh, has <clears throat> some interesting ways of motivating motivating um, students mm. to reach their potential. Um, it's, it's, it's really well cast. Um, there's uh, J.K. Simmons, who you might know, um, uh-huh. he's, a, he's a great character actor. He was in Juno. Uh-huh. I remember I reviewed Juno a while back, I think back uh-huh. Uh-huh. 2007 year. He was the father in that movie, um, uh, Juno's father. He He's the bully come sort of psychotic conductor um, and sort of band leader in this, this film. And he absolutely just, he's so commanding in it that I found myself... Um, when he wasn't in a scene, I was still thinking about him. I was thinking, when's he going to show up and what's he going to do? Because wow. he's just so, so um, the way he the way he um, abuses the lead character, who's um, who's the the young drummer played by um, a chap called Miles Teller. Um, the way that he just abuses him and tries mm-hmm. to <clears throat> yes, the, the techniques to motivate the guy to 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 be the best drummer. He can be a just. It's hard to watch because you sort of. It's seen, edgy, eh? It's edgy, but I've also seen this sort mm. of behaviour played out in a corporate, in a corporate environment. Whereas mm. it's not physically physical abuse, but it's the psychological abuse, and I've seen this happen in um, in jobs, unfortunately, to others, and sat there. You know the sort of situation where you 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 see someone being bullied and it's been done really publicly in, in in a way that the public don't necessarily know what's going on but the victim and the bully definitely do and and there's nothing that the that the victim can do because it's been played out in a public setting and and if they do anything uh, about it or say anything or or walk out you it's pretty much the end of their career um and and so it, it's really cleverly written interestingly enough damien um Damien Chazelle, who's the director writer of this film, this is based on his experience as a young drummer when he entered um, some music school um, back in the day. So it's actually based on a true story. Um, now he's he's definitely embellished some things, and he said, you know, he, he definitely tried to exaggerate some aspects to really tell the story. But he found it very very challenging when he was in music school to to gel and the way i guess one of the key themes that comes through this and it's something that i think jess and jason posted on our facebook page was the lengths that some will go to 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 drive students to excel um in itself um can drive out the you know the actual talent and the passion ah the joy and the joy um of actually Mm, mm. of the of the art and uh, in in pursuit of trying to attain some, you know, level of I guess attainment or perfection that they they see in their minds, and it's about them. It's all it's totally about them. It's about you know it's about the um the bully. So um, yeah, definitely recommend this film. 
it gets a solid sort of 10 out of 10, I think, for me. It's one of those things that I don't think I'll ever forget watching it. It's only like an hour 40 long, so it's a short film. That's but good. It's absolutely jam-packed, so right. you don't feel like it's dragging on or that, you know, they've kind of lost the plot somewhere. It's just action and intensity. I guess intensity is probably the, the word I'd use to describe this intense. Um, yeah, Whiplash. Go and check it out if you haven't. Great movie. Great yeah, movie. Fantastic. Who so do you that, want to pass? Yeah. Uh, I'll pass that on to Ian. That's because you nicked the one I wanted to do. I did, I know. You, you. Couldn't, make it, you couldn't make up your mind by having a look at the chat. You were I all know. over the show. And then, um, and then Martin goes, I want to pick bad. And you're like, <laughs> I want to do that too. You well, I've got, a, to I've, got everything. A, I've got a perler. I've got a classic. And uh, as you may have picked up just earlier, listeners, my name tonight, I'm going to be referred to as Vanessa because uh, that's who's given me these. Well, that's who I've chosen to go with. I wonder, I wonder if choices. we're allowed to shorten it to Nessa. Who is Vanessa? Do you, who, who knows Vanessa? Martin. Vanessa. Martin does. Martin's, Martin's this, friend this. on Facebook. Nice. Not his wife, is it? No, that's all right. So nope. we got, yeah. So anyway, I I went with <clears throat> Vanessa, and my movie this week is Pretty Woman. Mercy. I actually never watched it to the end. Oh really? Yeah. So oh, I. Wow. You know, um, I don't think we need to worry about spoilers with this one because no, if you ha- if you haven't seen it by now, yeah, where cool. have you been? You've been at my place. So, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so what can I say? Uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, mm. It's a classic rom com. Uh, a guy meets a hooker, falls in love, overcomes um, his fear of heights. Sorry, Ian. Bada bing, um, bada boom. Yeah, uh, sex worker. Oh, okay, sex. Oh, okay, sex worker. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a rom com alert. You know what have I written down here? It's a it's a rom com alert, but it's totally worth it. And uh, what makes it really worth it is when you get to about four minutes and fifty six seconds, approximately. <laughs> you get to see Julia Roberts' bottom, and uh, that just makes it a great movie. You know, um, <laughs> no, what it does, and and look, you know, I, what, um, I'm reasonably shallow as a person, but <laughs> at least I'm honest. No, I know you, you've never been anything that's not honest. Thank you, yeah. thank yeah. you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's got that in there. It's got a, it's got a really good. I don't know if you remember. It's got a really good soundtrack. Mm, so it's totally like mm. real wild child, bit of Bowie, of course. I know. But Roy Orbison, of course. Um, yeah, it's a pretty neat soundtrack. Uh, it's a fun, kind of funky movie I've written down here, uh, which is sort of really reflects the times. It's a 1990 movie. Um, there are several jaw-dropping moments in this movie, like uh, when they go up to his penthouse suite, and she says, so now you have me here, what do you plan to do? 
And he replies, I don't have a clue. And that, this did, is... Did that resonate with you, Ian? Yeah. And I, well, at that, I paused the movie at that point uh, really? and run out. Yeah, run out and smack my head on a brick wall because <laughs> the movie is really... It's about... It's a lesson on how not to deal with dating women pretty much to the end. Uh, uh. I don't think he was dating her. Or even trying to do anything with her. Um, if Julia Roberts asks you that question, you don't reply with that answer. You, there's, there's several other answers you could give, which would be, you know, much, much better. Uh -huh. different, different sort of podcast. Different, it's kind, of, yeah. it's kind of weird, though, but, you know, if Richard Gere doesn't really know what to do, what he's doing, whatever, then good grief, he's Richard Gere. Yeah. Mate, smoke and mirrors, you see, nothing is what it seems on the surface. I did notice as a barber at one point in the movie, his sideburns aren't quite straight. That annoyed me a little bit. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so, I mean, that's that's the only small fault I could really give the movie, apart from, you know, his, his lack of being able to get, get stuck into Julia. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you like a fun movie, then I would say grab a box of tissues uh, maybe some scorched almonds with this one mm, instead of chips. I think that seems appropriate. Yeah, a bit of chocolate. Leave the chips. Yeah, yeah. Fluff, fluffy, fluffy slippers, and um, and enjoy. Thanks, Jessica, for that. Yeah, that was Jessica, Jessica. No, Vanessa. It was Vanessa. 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 Thanks, Vanessa. <laughs> Good God. Um, oh. I, I, I recently oh. rewatched the film. Um, oh, um, and um, yeah, I thought it still stacked up, eh? Oh, it's a good movie. Yes, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a fun movie. It's yeah. got a bit. Of, it's got a plenty of edginess to it, um, yeah. which I thought was quite good. I don't know would they make that film these days. I'm not sure, oh. but I, I thought the script was pretty sharp. I mean, it was a retelling of My Fair Lady Pygmalion, but over and over, it, it didn't yeah. matter. Eh? It was. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, he was a dopey git, really. He's much oh. uglier on the rewatch than what I remember. Mm. I like the butler. He was fun. Yeah, he's nice a cool guy. guy. Yeah, I reckon. He's a cool guy. Oh, the, no, he wasn't a butler, was he? He's a cool, you know, Car concierge driver kind guy. Of guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he's cool. Yeah. That, that dude. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. Nice one. Mr. Glenn Chadwick. Well, yeah. we couldn't get much further from the last movie with uh, my choice. Uh, as chosen by Jason Curry, the year is 2004. Mm. Um, and thanks for your choice there, Jason. Uh, the movie is Collateral, which is, uh, well, uh, Jamie Foxx as a taxi driver in LA, mm. you know, doing what you do as a taxi driver, taking your jobs, running people from A to B. And his next customer is... A Man Vincent, played by Tom Cruise. Mm. Okay, so far so good. However, this customer is a hitman. Ah. And oh. he's got to get from A to B to C to D to E and work through his list. Yes, I remember this movie. Using the, using <laughs> the taxi. <laughs> and the, using the taxi. So How what's the worst? What's, so cool. what's what's the that worst so customer cheap. you could have as a taxi driver? Um, yep, someone going from 
point to point killing people. I hate that. Damn. Wow. I suppose there could it could be worse if you went from point to point vomiting in the car. Spoilage. <laughs> Spoilage is pricey. I know it's three hundred bucks per turn, eh? Apparently. Have you soiled well, a taxi? No. Who has soiled clo- a taxi? I, I got very close. <laughs> Bloody hell! Once, once. Carry Managed on. to get out not, the not, car. Not in, in my time. capacity as a hitman. No, 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 no. In the, my um, incapacity. <laughs> Chadwick, tell him to shut up. <laughs> the interesting thing about the movie, though, guys, is that Tom Cruise really um, changes his look, changes his image. He um, puts grey through his hair. Mm. You know, he looks older. Um, he's not playing the usual sort of good guy-ish sort of Tom yeah. Cruise sort of. Well, yeah. he's still a dick, but a dick in a different direction because he's <laughs> this badass <laughs> hitman guy. Got to get his job done, and he's basically holding this poor taxi driver hostage to get his jobs done. Yeah. And, so maybe he um, looks for a, for a change age appropriate. <laughs> yeah, and who, it, it, it's really good. Um, who directed really the movie? Good. It's uh, directed by Michael Mann. No, I haven't seen oh, a lot of Michael Mann movies. Yeah, that guy's freaking awesome. If anyone's yeah. seen Hate, Hate was epic. Oh, yes. oh. It yeah. does remind me a lot of this sort of nine dark, urby, urban, gritty, mm. 1970s sort of feel. Mm. Actually, it was originally supposed to be set in New York, from what I gather, but they moved the setting to LA. Uh, mm. Not sure why. It changed a lot in development. Um, originally, the two lead roles, or the two roles, were supposed to be Russell Crowe and Adam Sandler as the taxi driver. So Adam Sandler. No. Adam Sandler. Oh, God <laughs> save us. Happy Gilmore. No way. I, I cannot see that. I cannot he see that. He is such a shit actor. I mean, I am so over Adam Sandler, man. All his movies are the same. Oh, Damn. Did I see him in recently and he was actually half decent on a day? No, you and didn't. Get... It was someone else. Oh, was that all right? Yeah, he sucks. He sucks. I horses. like the wedding singer. Oh, yeah, yeah it sucks. It was well. a, no, it's a pretty good role. I, I did like that one. Shut up, Ian. Because Ian is the, Ian is the wedding singer most most weekends. <laughs> that's why. That's why it sucks. Close to the close to the bone, man. Oh, David, that was awesome. I think the the most interesting thing in the movie though was the change in uh, Max, who's the taxi driver played by Jamie, Jamie Fox. Um. Going from, okay, just another job. This guy wants me to take him around to a lot of places. Cool. To pretty damn scared, which is understandable, to, yeah. okay, I've got to do whatever I've got to do to survive, get out of this, and and maybe see this guy off, you know. Mm. And um, the change throughout the movie in that character is, is quite something. It's, it's really, yeah, it's like, um, it's a lot like Linda Hamilton and the, first Terminator movie, oh, yeah. really. We oh, just go from a sort yeah. of like a transition sort of from a every person to, so okay, tra- I've got tra- to do whatever I've got to do. Transformation. Mm. Very yeah. cool. So what do you so, reckon, uh, Glenn? Did, did, he get, did, he get, did he get paid properly at the end? <laughs> I um, so. can't I'm, I can't give out spoilers. <laughs> I can't give out spoilers. I hope he got a good tip. I've shared too much of the... Um, the plot already oh, I don't know. Would, uh, so would, would you recommend it to us i would recommend it it's uh 
it is outside of my normal sphere of movies, which is, well, basically comedy. I'm a comedy junkie, really, for movies, with a little bit of action sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's a dark sort of noir, 70s sort of thing, yeah. Even though it was made in 2004, yeah, it came out 2004, yeah, it's good. It's a good movie, isn't it? Mm. It is, yeah. Cheers. Thank you very much. Um, we've got a few more minutes, and I think I can get mine, mine in before we flip over to side B. Um, since we're doing movies, I'll follow on. Um, I got Point Break, um, mm. which came from Nick Butcher. Nice. And, uh, yeah, nice me and one, my, Nick. Me, me, yeah, me and Bronwyn um, sat on the couch, um, had a bit of a date night, Saturday <laughs> night, and um, watched the old Point Break. She hadn't seen it. Um, so she was asking what these questions were. Let's be fair, the two the two leads, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves, are good looking guys. Um, and that's I think part of the attraction of this film in a big way. Um, and it, I'll tell you what, it was it was very very funny. Um, there's lots of wonderful one liners um, littered all the way through. As Bron described it, it seems like they tried to put every single trope that they could possibly throw into this movie <laughs> as much as possible. So basic plot, again, it goes back a little bit like um, uh, Pretty Woman. If you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it, have you? I mean, that's not You've been fault. at my place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, <laughs> it, it's, it's an FBI agent, young hotshot FBI agent, working with an old geezer guy, Gary Busey, and his hard-ass boss, and they have to take down a gang of bank robbers, <laughs> and then they all wear sort of president's hats the and they're presidents. Sur- yes. yeah, and they're all surfers. Um, yeah. And you know what? It's a um, it's directed by Catherine Bigelow, who did the Hurt Locker, um, and that's pretty cool. And James Cameron was even an executive director on it. Um, I think you know the the cinematography on the the surfing's pretty damn good. Mm. and probably that chase sequence in the middle. There's this amazing on-foot chase sequence between um, one of the presidents and uh, Keanu Reeves, and it just follows all these little alleyways through L.A., and it's just absolutely really very, very good. Um, Highly, highly recommend. I vaguely remember back in the day kind of thinking that Patrick Swayze's character was a bit of an anti-hero, kind of like a cool guy, but he was bad but not so bad. Actually, he's a bad guy, totally through and through, yeah. jerk. And um, and just oh, so many classic lines. Oh, it's a yeah. classic movie. It, it is, is a it's a classic movie, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Oh, well, it, yes and no. I mean, it's dated. It's definitely a. It's definitely of its time. And um, I mentioned they'd have to rein in some of that tragic sort of dialogue, but. Um, you know what? It's no different to another film that I enjoyed back in the day, like Last Boy Scout. So um, it was positively enjoyable. Um, Ron and I gave it a three out of five um, and, and quite enjoyed it. And so, much, of, much of a soundtrack to it? Not really. No. I didn't pick up. Put it this way, there was nothing memorable on it for me that came out of it. No it Beach wasn't. Boys? No, beach no, no, there was. Uh, oh, it, it no. certainly, it certainly had some of those hair bands from sort of the late, late, 
80s, early 90s, and there was sort of that surfer dude thing going on, but there was certainly no, didn't really pick up on it. One of the guys from the Chili Peppers, um, Anthony Kiedis was in it as a bad guy. No. Um, he got the Beach Boys never were surfers, were they? I don't think so. That's part of no. the surf scene, though. Yeah. So thank you, Nick, uh, taking it back to memory lane. I remember back in the day, the girls loving watching that at movie night in flats and stuff like that. So, yeah, good choice. Really a bit of fun. And, yeah, highly recommend for escapism. Just a couple of those quote quotes while we in the break. There was um, some of the quotes were like um, one of the, the lead character in um, Point Break is called Johnny Utah. I mean, what a name, what a Johnny name. Utah. Yeah. And he what goes a, undercover yeah. using his real name. Sounds like a dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, lines like, fear causes hesitation and hesitation causes your worst fears to come true. <laughs> Deep, man. Deep. Deep. It's some yeah. big kahunas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, and there's our characters are named Bodhi and Roach. And, you know, if you've got a death wish, you want to ride to glory, fine, but don't take Tyler with you. I'm begging you, man. Tell me where she is and I'll walk away. It was, and it's sort of said in that sort of that way, which is really quite fun. Um, yeah. Oh, I've got a Tinder swipe. Have you? Yeah, I've just got a bing on Tinder. Nice. Nice. Sorry, okay. Karen. Okay. Well, and then if you're out there surfing, you've got to feel what the wave is doing, then accept its energy. Get in sync and then charge with it. Maybe that's you with um, Tinder. You may get that Tinder wave, man. No, I say that that to myself every time I go surfing. I say things like that to myself. Well, you know, know, I I think this is that quintessential sort of surfing movie. eh? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Brilliant. So love it. So have a have a great laugh with that. Um, no doubt there'll be other great quotes out there as well that you may remember or not. Mm-hmm. So we're into the second half of the show, ladies and gentlemen, um, and uh, we've got another round of listeners' choices. So we'll go back to David Chan. Um, and what did you get? You had um, Whiplash, the movie. What did Jess give you for the album? Twenty fourteen. So twenty fourteen. Um, I got an album by Liz Grant. Do you know who Liz Grant oh, is? Oh, yep. Yeah, Lizzie Grant. Lizzie Grant. Everyone knows Lizzie Grant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lizzie. Yeah. yeah. Also known as Lana Del Rey. That's right. So um, now this is, I wouldn't normally but listen did, to did, this. Did, did Glenn just do a big groan then? <laughs> he doesn't know her, just was, like me. I was like the, ah. Uh... Really, it sounded like, oh, and then you put yourself on the I don't listen to a lot of modern stuff. Um, I need to listen to more modern stuff. Uh, this, this I would classify as modern. Um, it's probably uh, considering what I do, how far back you've gone recently. Yes. 20, so this is Lana Del Rey's third studio album, um, and it's pretty much from what I can see the album that put her on the map um it's called ultraviolence uh yes recommended by jess curry thanks jess uh, what is it break it down oh, yeah. oh it's gothic dark gothic very oh. much double triple multi-track vocals um 
there are a couple of neat songs on there. So Jess, you pointed out, I think West Coast, you said, let's go with that. So and I can see why you said start there, because it is catchy it's anthemic. It's really interesting. Um, and probably one of the le- one of the uh, more underproduced tracks on there. Um, there's a lot of overproduced stuff. So um, it's, you know, this is, you'd call this music sort of wistful. She writes her own music, right? Writes her own song. So oh. full cred there. Uh-huh. And mm. she has quite amazing lyrics. Uh, as a lyricist, she really knocks it out of the park. Track nine, <laughs> my way to the top, is just amazing. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> if not a bit disturbing. Um, uh-huh. My God. Pure bit of brilliance um, <clears throat> as a song title, but actually the lyrics back it up and uh, tells a really good story. So, um, I do like a good story. Yeah, yeah, look, um, but my, my, yeah, love the lyrics, love what she's saying. I just don't, I, I don't get the triple multi-tracking business. And that's, I, I, that, I guess that's to try and create that eerie sort of wistful sound that um, is kind of haunting and hauntingly beautiful and that sort of thing, which is strange because I listened to Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> is there any gothic sort of stuff that you could relate it to, man? Um, like that we might know? Some uh, sort of old old bastard stuff? Well, it would be like Kate Bush if you triple-tracked her vocals. And, oh, and probably brought, brought it down, brought it down an, an octave because Kate's right up there. But, you know, if you brought it down an, a couple of octaves and um, layered, you know, multi-layered her voice, you'd, you'd be there. It's very similar sort of stuff. Uh, and So we need to give this a go. We need yeah, to have a listen. So you going to put a, a song listen. on for us? I will. I will. I'll put a couple of tracks on. So um, I'm going to put on um, Jess's recommendation, which was West Coast. it is the standout track there and it does give you a really good sense of what um what uh 
Lana slash Liz um, was on about uh, with this album. And I think I'm going to put on uh, the third track, Shades of Cool, because it's um, it's very jazzy. So there's, you know, lots of brushes on the drums. Again, it's uh-huh. light and hauntingly sort of beautiful. Mm. I totally get why she's got a big following and in this day and age um it is kind of the music that you could definitely see being played um as backing tracks to videos and stuff short clips on tiktok that sort of thing it's kind of Uh it's anthemic in in the sense that you know it's it's lots of hooks in there you get it straight away and Uh it's big and um it's panned across you know it just feels big in terms of the production but cinematic yes Totally. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago, um, one of her albums, super critically acclaimed, um, it's called Norman Effing Rockwell, um, and yeah, it's 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 good. Um, I think it's got, I think it's slightly different. I think there's been some style changes to um, in those arrangements of the songs, David. So maybe check out some of the later ones that she's recently done. 
Okay. And she did a really, she did a um, a cover with um, Father John Misty, who oh, right. um, listener, listeners may remember yes. me talking about um, yes. um, quite fondly. So yeah, um, yeah, so that, that, that's there been are um, there are a few, quite a few female you know, singer songwriters that are just sort of stretching pop, I guess, like Lana, Florence and the Machine. Um, St. Vincent, mm-hmm. but it's just sort of taking pop, sort of twisting it around a little bit, stretching it a bit, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, just doing something that's just a little bit off kilter. And yeah, Aldous Harding here in New Zealand, she's amazing. Spot yeah, on. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I totally agree. I think at the moment, the women artists have got finally some parity and just airtime, and they're just kicking ass. I um I, I totally Ooh. agree. I think my preference though is more um acoustic vocals. So uh, you know, like we're gonna go and see the Beths on Friday, Glenn. Liz Stokes, who's the lead singer for the Beths. Mm. That sort of thing. Very, very that, that's, clean. That's and not, not gonna be acoustic at all. That's gonna be incredibly noisy. No, her vocals. So uh, not, right, when, yes. so so when you listen to her on in a on a mm. studio album and versus Lana Del Rey which has multi-tracked her vocals and done so much processing with it. It's, I found it really hard on this album to actually pick, find a track where it just had her singing without, without layers and layers of vocals. It was, it was just the untreated vocal. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's on there and maybe you're right, Glenn, that later on she's, she's changed. I'll I'll listen to some Mm, recent stuff to see, see if maybe she can't, I don't know. (laughs) Well, this is the, this is the era of, um, of auto tunes and Pro Tools and that, right? So yeah. I'm not saying everyone does that, but you no. Know. But in saying that, David, one of your heroes, multi-tracked his voice every album after John. a period of time. Yeah, there you go. And you knew it because he didn't he like knew. his voice totally. Exactly. And yeah. we you were reading disagree. my mind. You yeah, were reading we all my mind. Di- we all disagree <laughs> with that, and um, but he kept on doing it. And I'd say the same thing though. In the seventies, when he went nuts on that multi-tracking thing because he didn't have the confidence, he sounds terrible. He does. Give me, give me, give me his Beatles stuff any day. His vocals, you know, and because he had the harmonies of John and and George behind him backing him up. Whereas in the seventies, he's on his own, and he just felt he hated his voice. I totally, yeah. And, and I'd say the same thing. I didn't, I didn't rate his voice in the seventies. He didn't need to do that. But that I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that sidetrack stuff though. It's good fun. But... I do appreciate the recommendation because I do mm-hmm. I do think she's an incredibly talented um songwriter. Absolutely. Yeah, and perhaps this All album right. I just couldn't get couldn't get my head around the vocals on this album, but definitely oh the lyrics on those songs are just cutting. And the other thing is is that they're really buried and because it's 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 kind of lots of echo on the voices and that sort of thing it's sometimes it's really hard to pick out what she's saying but you you, you can definitely tell what she's meaning if that makes any sense uh-huh. you can you totally get the, the story you just don't get every single word yeah she's all right sometimes yeah <laughs> i think that'll be the review she's all right sometimes that's no. the byline <laughs> <laughs> over all to right. you ian <laughs> <clears throat> okay Wow, thank you. And um, yeah, so Vanessa. 
<laughs> just saw your sign. I said Benjisica. Benjisica. Oh, sorry. You cracked me up. All right, continue. I'm so bad. I'm a, I'm an idiot. Anyway, listen. Um, what did she write down here now? I did native. Um, the album's called Native Place by the Railway Children. And it's it. a 19, 1990 mm-hmm. album. Yep. Have any of you heard of the Railway no. Children? No, never. No. That's three well, no's. Glenn didn't get it either. No. Oh, where, you guys have all been at my place. Mm. So, well, funny enough, neither had I, right? So uh-huh. I'll give you a little rundown. I don't want to bore the listeners, but here's a little rundown. If you've never heard... They're an English band. Uh, they released the album in 1990 called Native Place. They then broke up. Um, I think the album peaked at 59 in the UK charts. They're classed as new wave pop, which is, uh, I've got to say, not my favourite genre. But, um, you know, it came with the movie, right? So I thought I'd give it an honest review. And... Yeah, it's produced and mostly written by two dudes, Steve Lovell and Steve Power. Those names ring a bell? No. Steve Power. He's quite an interesting character. So he's best known for working with uh, Robbie Williams, McFly, Billy Ocean, Blur, Busted. Busted. God, who remembers Busted? No, (laughs) no, I don't. Oh, yeah, well, that's probably not a bad thing. And um, oh, Baby Birds, he worked with them as well. So he's got a he's a really acclaimed kind of producer. This guy. Um, Are you being sarcastic? No, 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 no. The guy's got a. If you Wikipedia him, he's worked with oh, everyone. Baby Birds. Yeah, he's, heard of him. Oh, you have because you're gorgeous. Oh, yes, oh there's yes, a yes. song I haven't heard in uh, very. Very song. Such a good song. Yeah. That's a great jam session song. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a cool song. Yeah, it is actually a cool song. You're bang on. Just don't listen too hard to the lyric. And um, the first song I chose, song number one, is called You're Young.
and I chose this because it's a nice song. The album's quite poppy. It's um, it sort of sounds a bit like um, the Deep Blue something, uh, China Crisis REM sort of flavour. You know, lots of reverb on the snare drums, slight overdriven guitars, not heavy guitars. Second song I chose, which is called Blue Sky, and it's a lovely song. It's got a nice drive. It's got a catchy chorus. It's probably one of the better songs on the album, and Dave's going to play that now. Thanks, bro. Uh, for me, the album, the songs are too long. So um, I think they lose their interest being a, a little bit longer. How long are we talking here? I think most songs are around about the four, four and a half minute mark. Uh-huh. And really they could be about three minutes, I reckon. You get it all in there just enough, you know. Um, with that style of song for me. So if they're a bit shorter, that would be better. There's a song that they write in there called Fall On, and that's just under two minutes, and it's a gem of a song. Real nice. Yeah. So Under two minutes. Does it does it open with the chorus or something like that? No, it's just like a little acoustic song. Yeah, it's just a real okay. – yeah. they can obviously write nice songs, Yeah. but I think it's been – maybe it's the first album – they thought, well, you know, let's just give it everything. There's a real discipline to that, though, isn't there? And just sort of getting in, 
singing what you have to sing, saying what you have to say, maybe do a little bit of a solo and then get out and leave the audience wanting a bit more, right? Mm, there's an art to that, I think, Glenn. You're totally. right. There is. Yep. And you can overdo it. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a pop album, but I do believe pop songs should not go on for eternity, you know? Um, oh, what's wrong with but, Hey Jude? Hey Jude. It, well, everything, <laughs> everything at the end of it. <laughs> That's the bit I'm talking about. <laughs> One of the best, best bit of pop Cut that writings, bit off. Pop writings and pop and popsicle history. Just have the one na na na, and that's it. End. Yeah, but I got to admit, um, Paul McCartney going nuts over the na 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 nas. You know, it's. I mean, he just he just loses it really at the end, there, doesn't he? Yeah, you you leave that for the extra for experts, like the people that go digging around for shit. Just the normal <laughs> stuff. Just just give us one na na na. Um, yep. th- there's an interesting write up. There was because there was. I wrote a few. I read a few of the write ups on the um, about the album at the time, and I think the Washington Post describes it perfect for me. And you got to remember, this is just my opinion. Uh-huh. I would. I would say if you want a nice pop album, I'll get to that in a minute, but they wrote uh, Native Place, which is the album, is not brave or powerful or important, but it's seriously listenable. I think that's a really nice way to put things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I can imagine, here's what I've written. I can imagine going on a little wee road trip to Pyroa mm. on a sunny day in a V-Dub camper with this album playing just once. And uh, and that sums it up for me as a, yeah, so thanks for that very much, um, Vanessa. And yeah, it was all right. I mean, I, f- I sort of finished the review by listening to the new Ozzy Osbourne Patient number nine album, which I can confirm is <laughs> shit. Don't, yeah. <laughs> I feel this. marvelous. Okay, Glenn, what did you have? Okay, so uh, bringing us back to the year 2004, courtesy of Jason Curry, uh, we have Video Kid, uh, the artist Video Kid, mm. and the album Prototype. Uh, of course, Video Kid, the alias for Brett McKenzie, who's one half of Flight ah. of the Concords. Yep. Oh, yes. And, he was uh, that Muppet guy, eh? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he, he wrote all of the songs to that Muppets movie. And uh, the album, of course, came out in 2004. And it was just as Flight of the Concords were really starting to take off. Um, but doing their BBC radio series for being a bit of a hit at the Edinburgh mm. Festival. A Fringe did, Festival you say that, did you say that because it's called Flight of the Concords and they were just taking off? Pun intended. Oh, well, <laughs> well oh, spotted, my man. Well spotted. <laughs> Loving um, it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it came at an interesting point in their career because um, that project had, had really, as you say, started to take off. Da-dum-tsh. And... Um, um, and he had a few other things on the go. Of course, he was a member of the Black Seeds, uh, big Wellington band, in the mm. sort of laid-back reggae sort of mode. Barbecue reggae, which was all the rage. 
I was not going to use that phrase, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> what barbecue um, reggae? What what the hell is that? Well, it seemed to be every album that New Zealand artists seemed to make at that time. Oh. Yeah. And look, let's be fair, like you know, it's one of those things that like Ian was saying. Um, yeah, no, it's good and you're on that trip to somewhere or you're having that barbecue and it's all good. But you can't really take it so seriously, can you? You don't like put it on at home and yeah, you, I mean, you just basically get it out for barbecues, don't you? As 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 far as reggae goes, my sort of tastes in that. I mean, I'm not a reggae expert, but my tastes in it are more sort of like for fire and brimstone, you know, war in a Babylon, sort of burn mm. down the, you know, the oppression, oppression, all that sort of stuff, which wouldn't go down very well over a few sausages. So you know, no, <laughs> probably not. No, not a few, not a few sausages in Brooklyn or anything like that. No. You're more of a punk, you're a punky reggae guy. Yeah, probably the edgier sort of stuff. But um, so I was expecting when I heard the album, I was expecting the soul and reggae sort of root stuff. But to my surprise, when I hit play on the first track, it was a very mellow sort of um, kind of almost indie rock sort of mellow thing, and it reminded me a lot of one of your favorite bands, Glenn Granddaddy. So the first track that I chose was uh, uh, Video Kid, the first track from the album, named after the project, of course, and uh, I think David will be playing a, a bit of it now. So uh, good. That was so good. 
It's like Man. he's listened to the show lots. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's my uh, there's my uh, throat to the music. So uh... he's, he's bloody better than us, guys. Tell us a little bit more. What yeah. else has been? Um, well, what else was on there that tickled your fancy? So the album actually falls between three stools. There's that sort of indie-ish sort of mellow stuff like Granddaddy. Then there's the reggae and the dub stuff that's obviously, I guess, comes from his Black Seeds. And then there's the sort of like cool funk side of him. So it's roughly an album of thirds and they're all mixed up in amongst each other. And the track that caught me was one of his funk uh, excursions, experiments, I guess, uh, called CCTV, which is basically a track about, you know, I don't care. There's cameras everywhere. Good grief, I rhymed there. Um, but uh, I don't care about all the cameras. I'm just going to do what I do. And CCTV doesn't bother me. So that's the next track that I chose, actually. CCTV, which uh, that's amazing. That's damn good. I love. I do like a bit of funk. That thing is that's good choice. And it's got the drum fills, and it's got every now and then it just chugs along, and then you get boom, 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 boom. It's sort of yeah, it's banging, eh? Banging. 
Boom. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, one of the interesting things that I found on it was a track called Running and quickly followed by a dub version of Running. So you take the track, strip back the vocals, and you just have a bit of an explore of that. Reggae X, you know, do that quite often. Uh, so, uh, uh. and it was good to have the track and any exploration of it. And that was a really cool, I don't know, about eight minutes worth of just deep reggae exploration, which was really cool. So, yeah, there's some, some good, great stuff on there. What's the album called, mate? Album is from Video Kid and it was called Prototype. Prototype. What a, what a, very, what a very appropriate name for a debut. I think it's mm. fabulous. Yeah, it's like it just sort of spits it out there. I'm going to test this thing and see what it's like. And you can hear bits and pieces of the style that would flow through to the Concord stuff as well. I mean, oh, they did their yeah. funk workouts. They did well, just about every genre of it try. But you can hear seeds of it. You know, I've, I've started re-watching some of that stuff recently. The FOC. And, man, they, the amount of stuff they pumped out is incredible. Yeah, that's, that's so clever. Very what, clever. What strikes me with this album is that the guy was probably just so busy with so much going on with the Concords, uh, Black Seeds, of course, mm. putting this together, but he just wanted to cram in a lot of different bits and pieces. And um, yeah, it, it works really well. It a genius? Really well. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's uh, definitely an underrated Mm. Underrated dude, you know. And has um, anyone heard his new album? His no, solo album? No. No, nor have I. Maybe we should endeavor. Maybe. I think that's one of the things when you get a name for doing comedy, you you you're that comedy guy. So mm. the quality of your music sort of gets a bit maybe overlooked. And this was him stepping away from well, not doing that comedy guy mm. at the time. I, I have that being really good looking. I'm like the hot guy. Yeah, I know you do. It's yeah. first, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's hard, man. Uh, it's so shit. It's like this. Yeah, whereas I'm that witty, smart ass guy. Yeah, <laughs> and I struggle with that too. Dave. Dave's the smooth guy. He is totally, yeah. That's a, a smooth guy. Oh, totally. <laughs> oh. Fabulous. Hey, thanks, Glenn. Um, <laughs> Now we've got um, my one again. This comes from Nick. Thank you, Nick. Back in '91, gave us Point Break, and he's also given us um, Octong Baby by U2. And oh, crikey, that takes you back a bit. It does, doesn't it? Blimey. It does indeed. And look, I'll be honest. This is um, mm. probably my first or second favorite album of theirs. Um, so it was quite neat to go back. I haven't heard it in quite some time. Um, and just like sort of we talked before about CD albums, I think it's probably a little bit long. You could cut out a couple of tracks. Um, but I think it's more the story behind the album. I think they just got bored of being new too. Um, you know, they've done Rattle and Hum and all that earnest stuff and they've done Joshua Tree and done everything pretty much the toppest of the poppest. And um, they decide to also decamp and head off to West Berlin and Hansa Studios and create something different and make something um, and different. However, when you listen to it nowadays, it really isn't that different at all. 
it's still make, it's just it's just you too. Make um, make something without a delay pedal. No, there's still plenty of that in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta Absolutely. be one of the best it's gotta be one of the best. Let's go away and totally reinvent our look, our sound, everything. Yes. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, they did. They mm. changed everything. And I remember um at the time when it came out, there were so many and, and I'd seen you two at that point. Um and a lot of us were like, what the hell? This is a massive, yeah. massive mm. shift. However, I remember I, that. You are right. I re remember hearing it and thinking, what on earth? Yeah. Well, yeah it's like, you know um, like when uh, Radiohead went away and came up with OK Computer. Mm, it was the I only agree. other one. Well, Kid A, particularly. Uh, sorry, Kid A. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah particularly Kid A. that. Um, and then when in hindsight you listen back to it, it just sounds like it sounds like Radiohead. Um, and I think that's the thing with Octang Baby. Um, you know, I think they tried to not take themselves seriously. And I think, you know what, that was a damn good thing for them to do. Um, and, and as a result, they had a lot more fun or the fun of the music came through. Um, and the first song I've selected is a song called The Fly. Um, because it just sounds epically big when you put it on and crank it and those big guitars and bonkers fun lyrics. It's just wonderful. I love the fly. I mean, it hits galore, like who's going to run your wild horses, 
one um, mysterious ways. I mean, it was loaded with songs that you know were staples throughout the nineties. They really were. What year did that come out? Ninety one. Ninety one was it? Yeah, and then in ninety three, I was doing my bursary studies. And the exams for seventh form, and I really wanted to go and see Zoo TV, the big tour that oh, came yeah. to New Zealand, but they didn't do it in Wellington. And I just remember so pissed about it. And yet, some of the rich kids from school were all flying down after their exams to Christchurch to go and watch it. And I was like, you bastards. Um, I was just jealous, as. Um, and the show was epic, and Zoo TV is regarded as one of those great stage shows um, that. Kind of had to be there never mind um so uh, the next song i think i'll pick is called lover's blindness Jilted lover, sort of bitter song, and again, um, do love a good storytelling about love lost and bit of misery, and again, Edge's guitar. Even though there's loads of effects, sound absolutely brilliantly large. He's um, the man that gave us the delay. Let's face it, and um, it's it's uh, you know he gets slagged for that in the guitar world, I believe, and I imagine I so. think yeah, but man, he. You got to give credit. You know, he actually—it's a sound that's always been there, but he gave it 
Um, mm. He made it and gave it. What am I trying to say, Chadwick? We don't just know. Made mate. it. <laughs> he just made oh. it his. He made it his thing. I mean, you can't do that and and not, I guess, be accused of sounding like the edge. But mm. you know, he's he's claimed that space. He's claimed. He's claimed yeah. it correct. And and you know what? No one seems to give Jimi Hendrix a hard time about the Wawa pedal, do they? Yeah, of course not, because he claimed oh. it. Claimed it. So you know, he owned that shit. Um. So again, you know, all stellar production on it. I mean, Brian Eno's all over it. You know, when Eno gets involved in stuff, it generally turns out interesting. And and this did. Um, I heard an so- interesting story about what um Brian Eno's job was on those sessions, which kind of interested me. Apparently, his job was to go into the studio listen to the day's recordings and erase anything that sounded too much like traditional U2. Well, but that was, that was, and that was his job. And, you know, all credit to them. They, they do collaborate. Well, they do take direction. They wanted to be something different and good on them. They took a risk and it could have gone badly. Um, I do like the follow-up album, uh, the sort of the bits are, um, Oh, what's it called? Zeropa. I know that lots of people hate that one, but I love it to bits because it's, again, takes it even further weird. Um, but I just thought it was a great mix. So, Nick, well done for bringing out that classic album. Um, um, yeah, it, it's a beauty. Um, they're, a good, yeah. they're a great band. You two are a good band. They're awesome. Yes, yes they are. They're a powerhouse of awesomeness still. Yep. I enjoy yeah. both shows that I've seen of them. They're really fun. Mm. And um, they wear their influences on their sleeve open. Um, and, mm. yeah, that, that, that's that's it. Eh? They're, they're good. Although I do hate that Beautiful Day song. I think that is absolutely tripe. Um, that's, that's my favourite. Is it? No. Nah. No, I think it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> I never want to hear that song ever again. <laughs> should be retired. It should be retired. Yeah, it should never have been written. I think is probably the better one. Yeah. So, listeners, well, that's um, our time is just about up, gentlemen. Um, hey, Glenn, thanks so much for joining us tonight. I hope you've enjoyed your time with us. It's been a blast. Yeah, great fun. Thanks so much for having me on the show. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. And listeners, Thanks, we Glenn. Re- it was good catching yeah, up, man. Definitely, man. Um, and we really value the comments and um, the posts and comments, listeners. So keep them coming. Um, so Martin's going to be back next week. So what we're going to do is we're going to lump him with the hosting duties and give him a, a theme for us to come up with, eh? Sound all right, well, Ian and David? Yeah, I think we should do an evening on the Queen's funeral. We'll leave that to Martin. Martin. Yeah, leave that to Martin. <laughs> so until then, everybody, have a great week. Kakitiano. Mm-hmm.